Story number one, Alliance of Monsters, written by Echidna Writes. Human, the clicking voice of a cut counselor, was heard with exasperation. He stood at an impressive two meters of height, usually tall for his species. He possessed a thin bodily structure, all of it covered with a remarkably hardy exoskeleton. He stood on four legs in locomotion and had two long manipulators ending in three claw-like fingers. His face was conical, and the lavish membranes falling from the back of his head, glowing with a bioluminescence and small patterns to indicate his emotions given the species' lack of facial expressions, outside of blinking with their five eyes and opening of their mouths. Do you realize what you've done? The thirty-two-year-old human, a slightly shorter man, dressed similarly with the cut in front of him, with pristine green and yellow robes to indicate his status as chancellors, tilted his head to the side and raised an eyebrow. Whatever do you mean, Lazi? You never address anyone by the species name unless you're angry. What has happened? Don't play call with me, Aaron, Lazi replied his membranes glowing with an orange and blue to indicate his frustration and annoyance. Why, why, have you humans done this to the League? Again, what has happened? Aaron repeated, looking rather confused. Why have you asked to see me in private, Lazi? Have I, or the United Systems, done something to insult the League of Associated Empires? Lazi's membranes turned brighter and black seeped through the edges. You know exactly what you people have done, Aaron. He chirped and clicked, the translator barely able to translate his words through the fuming anger. Have you no respect for the law? Does your species have no sense of self-preservation and logic? Frowning, Aaron's expression shifted to concern as a subtle form of contained anger. Ah, he began, now I understand what this is about. He said sternly, trying to sound as calm and collected as possible. Why would it be a problem? Why would it be a problem? Lazi repeated before hissing. He species his version of a sigh. We've tolerated the contact with your species in the Koishi Mountain. He slammed his manipulators on the desk. Why would you initiate contact with the Zuff, the Chol, and the Furgers, and the Kawawas? He yelled as his membrane swirled with shifting colors. And what's more, we found out the United Systems have established trade agreements with them all. Why? he demanded. Sighing, Aaron leaned back in his seat. Lazi, tell me, how many species have joined the League? What does that have to do with... How many? Lazi blinked with all of his eyes. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven, Aaron nodded. There is another ten pre-FTL species currently under observation, and we, humanity, are the newcomers to the galactic stage. He looked deeply into Lazi's eyes. So tell me, Lazi, why the League accepted us almost as soon as we made official contact with you, but have refused all of our friends? Friends! Lazi lashed out. We would dare to call those, those things friends. Ara nodded. Quite. And not just me, but humanity as a whole. Unlike an envoy from the League to visit Mars and see how the Koshi have done with the place, they've even managed to mine out Phobos and Demius to provide Mars entirely, he smiled. And in return, they allowed us into their home system, Tau Seti, 
and we colonized a small atoll world of theirs. So yes, they are our friends, Lazi. Lazi's membranes turned red, brown, and a vibrant yellow to show his astonishment, dread, and exasperation. Y you allowed them to colonize one of your planets on your home system? Why would you do something so foolish, human? Because friendship aside, it is a mutually beneficial deal for the both species, Aaron explained. Silence fell between the two chancellors for a few minutes until the human cleared his throat. That's one thing I, my colleagues, and humanity as a whole have yet to fully determine. Why do you hate them so much? And you even have to ask as proof of your naivete, Aaron, Lazi hissed. They are monsters, an affront to the universal laws of life themselves. Aaron frowned. Is that so? Then we humans are too. Of course not, Aaron. You humans may be, um, strange, but you are certainly not anything like those horrid creatures, unnatural beings that should not exist. And yet they do, Aaron countered with amusement, extending his arms. They are alive. They are here. Despite the universal law of life, the League is determined. They exist and are alive. They think, they feel, and they do their best to live their lives. How are they different from you and me and everyone else? They shouldn't exist, Lazi retorted angrily. But there is nothing that we can do about it. All we can do is tolerate their vile, unnatural existence and the plague they are. Keep them out of our systems, avoid interaction, and wait until the universe itself wipes them out. He replied with some regret. Perhaps outlawing war was a mistake, but war would only send the League back into the days before. No one wants that. How incredibly generous of the League to let others live just because it doesn't want to sully their hands. Aaron replied with dripping disgust. Contempt and anger. The Koshi, blessed be their cause, are the most friendly and empathic species we've ever encountered, and they were the ones that helped us when the Fogies tried to colonize Earth. It is all a bigger misunderstanding, in the end, and the Koshi helped us to understand the hive mind of the Fogies. Before Lazi could say anything, Aaron continued, I know what you're going to say, but the conflict was over before it began. Not a single casualty on either side and the Fergies apologized for the mistake. Standing, he pressed on. The Fergies are a hive mind, the only sapient hive mind species known so far. The Koshi are a litoid species with communicating through music. The Zuff are gaseous entities, he smirked. They have taken a liking to Jupiter. In fact, it's become a most popular resort, believe it or not. The Jewel are the only plantoid species we know of. Their size may be imposing, but they'd be surprisingly how intelligent and sophisticated they are. Did you know that they value philosophy over anything else? And of course, the Kawawas, who, in their right mind, would interact with a species that can literally tear you apart by the simple hug. It must be the cruelest irony to be the most pacifistic and xenophilic species in the galaxy, and be shunned by most of other species just because of how they look and their biology. Aaron stopped, now standing on the other side of Lazi's desk. The taller male realized only now that the human had approached him. He smiled, showing his teeth and watching Lazi recoil with some disgust. Finally, humanity, 
the only omnivore species, the first meat-eater species to achieve sapience. Why are we an exception, and they are not? We can understand your existence, and you fall well within the limits of the universal laws of life, human. They, you have mingled with those abominations. To openly trade with them, to let them enter soul, is something the League won't take kindly. Not after what we've extended our manipulators in friendship to humanity, only to be repaid with transgressions. Then we will be ready to face the consequences for cut, Arun replied, this time showing no emotion and remaining calm. To tell you the truth, I and my superiors back on Earth have been discussing the possibility of leaving the League. He smiled, seeing the red, bright silver, and white colors swirl around Lazi's membrane. We share the League's belief in life as sacred. He turned to leave. Humanity has gone through many perils, Lazi, and I don't know if you'll ever come to understand that. We've come to not just value life, but to value all life. Aaron reached for the door in Lazi's office and glanced back. Who knows, maybe our new friends will be interested in forming an alliance with humanity and stand together. The doors opened and he stepped out. Have a good day. The doors closed. End of story number one. Story number two. Alliance of Monsters. War. Written by Echidna Writes. Chancellor Lazi traversed an unusually lonely pathway as the normally bustling activity of the League's diplomatic headquarters. With a sudden hiss, Lazi remembered himself of the reason why it was so lonely, and why it was so demolished and so soon the occupant at the end of the hallway left the planet. The only two other sapiens he saw were two lightly armed humans standing guard outside of the room. The two humans stepped aside, granting him immediate access. Lazi's membranes flashed with the white and green spots. Surprise! He had come, expecting to pull his rank to try and convince the guards to let him in. A moment later, he composed himself and walked inside a soon-to-be-demolished United Systems Embassy. Is it worth it, Aaron? Lazi asked, his membranes turning a soft pink as show his sadness. What is worth it, Lazi? Aaron retorted as he stared at the painting depicting a star system. Lazi glanced around the room. He'd visited the human embassy on a few times since their integration, but he'd never placed too much attention. Why would he? Every embassy had the same commodities, barring minor tweaks such as the slightly higher or lower temperatures and humidity. The size of the room could also be different with the species in question, like the hulking brack, exceeding three meters in stature. But aside from that, every embassy was the same. The Vakat Chancellor noticed with a grim sadness that everything but the desk and a few choice decorations, such as the painting that Aaron was staring at, was missing. Please, Aaron, this will be the last time we'll see each other. At least grant me a conversation without you dancing around the initial subject. Lazi said, standing at their other side of the immaculate desk. I suppose I owe you that much, Lazi. Aaron smiled to himself to answer your question. Yes. Yes, it is. The sections, the penalties, everything your species has achieved in this long thirty years after contacting the League, now gone. All because you'd rather stand by your skewed beliefs. Lazi questioned as his membranes flashed with the varying degrees of pink. 
The sanctions mean nothing. We'll recover the money lost one way or another over time. The penalties, on the other hand, being cut off from the galactic neck and paid for all abroad humans traveling through League territory to be returned to the United System space, that was a low blow that, whilst ready to take, hurt quite badly. Iron chuckled. And you find this amusing? Lazi questions, confused. In a sense, Iron began, compared to standing up for our beliefs, those lessons mean absolutely nothing. Though, I heard that most of the other League members are having some troubles as well. Lazi hissed. I didn't want to believe the reports saying that smuggling groups trafficking human music and literature sprung up days after the announcement was made, he confessed. The Balsamans, however, haven't turned into a standard league year-long spiritual pilgrimage across their empire. Aaron blinked, sparing a momentary glance at Lazi before returning to his gaze at the painting. Really? I didn't know that. Can I know why? he asked, intrigued. Apparently, they were absolutely enamored with the human cuisine. Something about how you make it just clicked with their palates, Lazi explained. He was then confused when he saw Aaron smiling widely. Why are you smiling, Aaron? It seems that the Balsamans share their trade with the Kowals and the Furagers. Despite not eating meat, they devour vegan dishes as if their lives depended on it, Aaron chuckled. I am going to ignore you comparing them to your, uh, friends, Lazi lamented. Humanity will regret leaving the League, Aaron. Is that a threat? Aaron asked. He smiled, never fading. Of course not, but cut off from the galactic market and the net, I cannot begin to imagine how your economy will function effectively. Lazi clicked and chirped to indicate his apparent grief. How many humans are going to starve? How many have lost their jobs? I'm sure that there will be protests and riots across your territory, despite taking precautions, Aaron. A few here and there. No one will starve, fortunately, since now we can direct our entire harvest of production of dawn into our space. And even without dawn, Sunset and Orichalcum already produce more than enough to feed 40 billion hungry human mouths four times over, Aaron explained. And before you touch mineral issues, the Koshi already covered that front. Aaron looked at Lazi with a smirk. And it's not as if the League controls the entire Milky Way, right? We have more than enough systems and space to claim, since the League will never approach the systems controlled by the ones you deem to be monsters. On that aspect, you are absolutely correct, Aaron. Lazi agreed. The neutral zones existed for a sole reason, after all. But what about your private corporations? Access to the most advanced fields of study and research of the League has to offer. The privilege to emergency stockpile resources in case of a disaster. We'll manage. We humans have a pretty long track of coming up with solutions to tough situations. Aaron turned back to gaze at the painting. How about war? Is the League enraged about humanity leaving its warm embrace enough to declare war? Only uncivilized, despotic, savage barbarians will resort to violence and war to solve a problem. Or just to prove a point. Ozzy replied, his membranes flushing in a mix of grey, black and aquamarine. Regret, anger, and shame. Your species may be spacefaring now, but you were young when the before was still raging. Ozzy went on, war. 
War is an ugly thing. Blockade, starvation, slavery, forced labor, unethical experimentation, mass murdering. The list of horrors go on and on and on and on. Quite, Aaron agreed. That's the most beautiful thing about the League, in my opinion. Your abhorrence to war. How your founding leaders came together, sick, tired, and revolted by the conflict that the original twenty vowed to ban and outlaw war for as long as the League stood. Aaron smiled. And even if the League were to crumble, which, at least to me, seems impossible, all of the species in the League value peace and stability more than anything. So why throw us aside for the sake of those creatures you call friends, Aaron? Are we not friends too? Lazi asked, his membrane showing how honest he was in that regard. You may have been infuriating and exasperating on many occasions, but I always considered you a friend. I... I didn't understand why humanity has decided to stand next to those uh, unnatural creatures. The universal laws of life seem quite correct, don't they? Aaron replied, a hint of sadness tingling in his voice. All sapient life is individual. All life is organic and carbon-based. All life evolves on planets ranging from arid to humid to slightly below water freezing biospheres. All life is independent. All life rejects the consumption of other living beings, he said. Each and every species put those laws entirely, even us, will it near completion, except that we do consume the flesh of other living beings, he chuckled. I still remember the pain it was to explain cattle to the rest of the League. Lazi remained silent, opting to let Aaron continue with whatever he was talking about. From your perspective... It is no wonder why you would shun, find repugnant fear, and dare to say to our friends, Aaron said in an empty, vacant tone. When I first started to research onto why the League would turn the Koshi away, yet embrace us so hauntily, I thought it was due to their appearance. But after I studied the laws and what they implied, I understood. Aaron smiled somberly. They are different. On a fundamental level, they are so, so different it is scary to think about just how they can be alive, how they can exist and come to be, let alone achieve sapience, he chuckled. The universe always has a curveball ready to throw at us, doesn't it? Aaron, if you understand how their existence is a mistake, Lazi jumped back in fright the moment Aaron slammed his fist on the desk, his teeth bared ferociously. They are not a mistake, Aaron said loudly. Somehow he managed to refrain from shouting, but his anger could easily be seen and reflected on his face. They may be different, but as we got to know them better, we found what amazing, wonderful people they are. And we learned, despite our differences, there was no need to fear them. Our differences made us stronger. It made us us. He took a few seconds to raging breath before Aaron continued, and we understood. We understood that we were right in our belief. All life is sacred. Aaron walked towards the painting, his eyes reflecting the deepest regret Lazi had ever seen in any sapient to date. We learned that lesson in the worst possible way, Lazi. Aaron whispered, stopping scant feet away from the painting. Once I'm gone, by order of the Council of Nations, a data package will be delivered to the Chamber of Chancellors. 
It'll contain a single piece of history that we kept secret from the League all these years. He turned his head to the Lazi. Do you know what system this this? Lazi walked up next to Aaron, all fear forgotten in the presence of sorrow reflected in his eyes. Lazi inspected the painting and found, to his surprise, now that he saw it up close, that it was not only beautiful, but also astonishingly profound. What's this? Hand-drawn! Finding his voice again, he asked. Aaron nodded. The system. I don't recognize it. What do you call it? Alpha Centauri. A tiny star system. Aaron's lips graced a small smile. It was also the first system in which humanity set foot other than Sol. He lost his smile. We arrived there at an M-class star called Proxima Centauri, the first expeditionary force that was comprised of a fully multi-purposed Oberon-class exploration heavy destroyer and an escort of five frigates and two corvettes. It was all just a big show for the people back on Earth and the colonies in Seoul, of course, but also just in case something went wrong. How is this relevant to the data package? Lazi asked. Sure, first FTL test drives were explorations, could be ugly, and accidents were, while not common, certainly not a rarity either. Was the entire task force lost, as they tried to splinter away from your government at the time? Either. You see, while Proxima Centauri was uninhabited, and we settled down the base of operations on Proxima Centauri B, later renamed Lanus for the duration of the mission. You see, Humanity had suspected Lanus was barely habitable, and it was. Still, it was a monumental achievement for humanity. The first generation of FTL hyperdrive worked as intended. A trip of decades was shortened to a mere two weeks. It meant that we were no longer bound to our solar system. Then what went wrong? Ozzy asked, unable to comprehend why the painting invoked such an emotional response from the human that considered a friend. So far, this sounds like a successful first FTL jump. Because it was. Everything was going according to plan, Aaron said. But something unexpected happened. According to the reports, 49 days into our mission, they noticed something strange happening in Alpha Centauri Beta System. Now that humanity was so close for the first time, they noticed a moon orbiting Alpha Centauri Beta 3, a Jupiter-like gas giant. They also noticed that it was not only habitable, but inhabited by a species called Sulcishi. Aaron closed his eyes. Turns out our civilizations achieved spaceflight around the same time. The main difference being that we achieved FDL while they had yet to do so. Sulcishi? I don't recall ever hearing about them before. Lazi has said, confused, intrigued, and curious at the same time. The leader of the mission, Commander Nicker Vargas, decided to attempt the first post-contact event in human history. But before that, they'd spied on all the Seleuci broadcasting signals that they could pick up. They picked apart their language, broadcasting methods, whatever they could learn from the culture and history. Essentially, everything they could learn about them, they studied. Aaron opened his eyes, a hand placed on a glass protecting a valuable painting. One of the frigates returned to Earth to give the good news, and the permission was handed out immediately. When first contact was established two months later, clumsy as it was, it all seemed to go as planned. Despite their best efforts at the time, only small pieces and snippets of the language had been deciphered, enough to allow a basic level of communication. Then, 
the cultural and information exchange happened. Almost as soon as the Seleuci learned of the existence of Earth, they turned on Commander Nick of Vargas and his crew. They slaughtered everyone and broadcasting actions launched on other ships. They took out every ship except for a single corvette, the Augustus, that managed to beat the boarding party and run back to Earth. Vazi remained silent, his eyes refusing to blink lest he be missed with the facial expressions. Before humanity formed the United Systems, Lazi, we were working under what we called the Federation Nations, a much-needed improvement over the lessons learned of the failed United Nations it replaced. Soon after, the Augustus arrived back in Seoul. We also received notice that the base of operations in Lanus had been overrun. The message detailed that if nothing was done, it was estimated that the Seleuci would manage to reverse-engineer or even duplicate our hyperdrives and outfit there by the time monstrous fleet in just four years. In terms of firepower, we were superior, but their ships outnumbered ours nearly twenty to one. So, no decision was made. Our return to face Lazi, faced with an imminent invasion by a hostile race, the trigger was pulled. In under six months, every available warship was equipped with the best armaments there was. They made a jump to Alpha Centauri in unison. Whilst numbering a measly forty ships, our weapons were superior, and this time we weren't going to invite them or give them a chance to get close. Aaron stopped for a moment, gulping a few times as he gathered the courage to continue. We didn't take a single casualty, but we destroyed every ship they had, starting with our captured vessels. We destroyed their in-system bases and stations. We destroyed most of their satellites. And when we sent them a message to surrender, they refused. Death before starvation, was their reply. Aaron stopped again, his eyes moistening. We were fools, Lazi. We were fueled by fear and bloodlust for revenge. We were ignorant. Rather than lose millions of lives in an invasion, we bombarded their homeworld with nuclear fire. You... What? Lazi asked, the color leaving his membrane that now been translucid. We exterminated an entire species, Lazi. They declared war on us after we stretched out our hands of friendship and trust. We were betrayed. We were irrational. By the time we discovered why they did what they did, it was far too late to do anything about it. I returned to the painting again. In the data package the council is going to receive... There is a special recording. I've heard it countless times. So have every important official of the United Systems we've formed. From the representative of the Council Nations, to the rulers, to generals, admirals, commanders, captains, diplomats, Aaron explained. It contains the cries, wailing screams, and hatred-filled words and curses of those who found the truth. Some even committed suicide on the spot. Nazi had no words to say. To think that Aaron, her friend, a colleague, and up to a few days ago her fellow chancellor, belonged to a species that exterminated another species so coldly and casually. It made him sick to his stomachs. Even so, he desired to hear the rest of the people's dark history. They were dying and starving. Their homeworld, Friel, couldn't sustain them anymore. It had gone through a series of climate changes for the past two hundred years. The reason they even achieved spaceflight was born out of desperation to save their people. When they learned about Earth, it was like a miracle had arrived in their hands. They didn't take any chances and attacked. So great was their desperation, Lazi. 
Aaron gritted his teeth and clenched his fists until the nails dug into his skin and crimson blood fell to the floor. And we didn't do anything to help them, to understand them. And now, the Seleucis are no more, thanks to us. The ex-chancellor smiled. You don't have to say anything, Lazi. I understand. Who knows? Maybe this is for the best. Wait, Lazi spoke up, surprising Aaron. Why didn't you kill the Fergies? They invaded your home world, did they not? It happened fifty years after we exterminated the Seleuci. A lot had changed since then, including the formation of the United Systems and meeting the Koshi. In fact, it was our meeting them that finally cemented our belief to value all life and all life is sacred. As for the Fergies, we prepared to defend our home planet. Their ships slipped through our scanners until they were orbiting Earth. We were not going to be first, but we were ready to fight if necessary, he chuckled. Thankfully, I was the recruiter at the time, in charge of FDL broadcasting systems. I sent a message to the Koshi asking for aid. They arrived within a few days before the Fuji settled down completely. And the rest, as they say, is history, Oren explained. Suddenly, a series of knocks were heard coming from the doors. Ambassador Oren, it is time. One of the guards outside called loudly. It seems it is time for me to go, he said in a relaxed tone, nodding to Lazi. Aaron walked over to the doors. If you want the painting, you can have it, Lazi. Consider it a gift. Have you told them? Lazi asked as he watched Aaron open up one of the doors. They know, all of them, and they accepted us regardless of our mistake, Aaron replied. Do you believe the League would have accepted us had they known the truth? Aaron let out a mirthless chuckle. Peace be with you, your kind, your friends, and your league, Lazi. Lazi didn't hear the door close. He didn't have to hear it to know that Aaron and his guards were leaving. His eyes slowly turned to the painting. Suddenly, he understood the meaning behind it. No, he whispered to the room. End of story number two.